Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to our podcast series, The Transformational Impact of Data on Your Business. And today we have the episode of Agile Data Leadership and Modern Data Engineering. And we're talking about guiding data op teams through the rapid change and all this uncertainty that we have now during this lockdown. And we have a special guest, and the special guest is Suki Dupar. You're the Maya lead at Tamer. Maybe you can give a short introduction yourself as well, Suki. Yeah, thank you, Ronald. Thank you for having me. So my name is Suki Dupa. Uh, I work for Tamer as the EMEA lead and primary focus is making sure that we deliver success to our customers, um, successful sort of data pipeline. So obviously very involved with the data ops area. So happy to speak about sort of the challenging times that we've got and how teams and customers have adapted. Looking forward to the conversation, especially we have indeed challenging times, so it's going to be a great conversation. And I'm Ronald Van Loon. I'm the host today. I'm the CEO and founder of Intelligent World, which is a data analytics consultancy and research network firm. I'm also course advisor for a leading professional certification company called Simply Learn, and I'm the author of multiple coaching series for business leaders and C-level executives in the area of how to succeed in the intelligent economy. Now we're going to talk about data ops and maybe to start off with this, everybody is familiar with DevOps, but not everybody is familiar with data ops. Maybe you can shortly explain what it entails. It is absolutely sort of a growing area. And actually, it's interesting you mentioned that people understand DevOps and data ops is quite new. Actually, both of them are quite similar in terms of process and methodology. So when you think about companies that have been developing software over sort of the last sort of half century, the process of developing that software has changed. The reason why we get apps now so quickly is mainly because people are delivering and developing in this new sort of DevOps sort of paradigm where there's a lot of automation put in, there's a lot of agility in delivering, uh, and people deliver sort of MPPs before and do the testing when they've got the product out there in the hands of the users. So if you take that methodology and apply that to data, you'll understand exactly where that methodology has come from. Data ops is the same, except it applies to data pipelines, which are obviously now becoming a sort of a quintessential part of uh, every organization that's becoming sort of data fluent. So, you know, that's where it originated from. Now it's been taken on as a mantra for people working in the data environments out there in the world. Yeah, and as you mentioned already, uh, Suki, these are really, really challenging times and it's more important than ever to keep the project goals and the developments really aligned and have a proper data collection and data preparation in place as well. So how can data ops teams stay really connected and what type of strategies should data ops teams really adopt to work in this remotely environment, in this lockdown environment? First and foremost, sort of remote working isn't something that's very new to us. It may be new to some people, um, certainly in, in this particular scenario. But when you think about organizations dealing with data, most organizations that deal with data are large global enterprises that are working over sort of multiple locale across the globe. And people have to interact with different areas. So, so you know, someone could be based in the US and the back office could be in, in India or vice versa. You know, remote working's been around for a while. I think the challenge is uh, people were still remote working from offices and now you have to work from your home, which is very different. So the important thing sort of in terms of getting through these particular challenges is making sure that we address the key things that are, are very important to sort of data. And those tend to be around accessibility, 
both to people in the data, people who understand the data really well, people who are asking the questions of the data and people who have access sort of to the underlying data itself. And also accessibility sort of to kind of systems and technology that allow you to collaborate more sort of proficiently. And I think those are the sort of key challenges. I've seen organizations, uh, certainly we've worked with organizations that have had to change somewhat, you know, there's challenges around bandwidth of taking data out of particular systems, and especially where systems are sort of incorporated within their own organizations. So on-premises systems tend to be a bit harder. Cloud-based systems access tends to be a little easier. So, the, you know, these are the big sort of challenges that most organizations are, are, are thinking about now. How do we give access to the individuals? And then how can they get on with their day-to-day work? The other challenge for humans at the moment is working from home obviously comes along with sort of having space and the ability to work. On the one side, remote working allows you, should allow you to have a uh, better quality of life because you're no longer doing the commute. But at the same time, you need to have sort of an area where you can work and get through and make sure you're not sort of inundated with just pure meetings and not able to do your work. So I think access, availability are the two greatest challenges that we have. And that applies to people and technology as well. And you were talking about this day-to-day work, like data op teams, they they work on data prep, on on data collection, on Hmm. migrations to the cloud. They they implement the agile governance frameworks, et cetera. And based upon your experience, what are the most challenging work scenarios for these data op teams and what should they do to overcome these? The biggest challenge is both technology and people. I think one is obviously having the right technology is extremely important. You know, we are living in a world where we're being marketed to constantly by different sort of technology vendors all the time. And the message seems very, very similar, whether it's cloud vendors, whether it's technology vendors, the message seems similar. So one of the key things is to work out what's right for your organization, depending on what part of the process you're in. So whether it's the data storage or data prep or data cleansing or the uh, presentation layer, you need to know you, you've got the right technology and make sure you do your due diligence on that particular technology. Of course, a lot more people are using machine learning, which is helping, especially at scale. From a technology point of view, it's just making sure you've got the the, the right te- technology. I think challenges from a process point of view, they're probably bigger right now, especially in this particular environment, because you're talking to people who are no longer in the office. You can't have the corridor conversation anymore or just go over to someone's desk. Everybody's familiar with instant messaging. Uh, so technologies that allow you to get sort of more instantaneous response uh, rather than having to set up a meeting every single time you need to speak to someone. So because you imagine you're already taking sort of half an hour, an hour out of someone's day for a, a, a literally two minute conversation that you can have. So those are the key challenges to make sure you're set up correctly with the right technologies, but also at the same time, you adapt your process to fit with the new paradigm. Okay. And let's assume that these data teams, they they are equipped with the right tools, with the right processes, and and still dive a little bit more in in detail, uh, talking about the data engineering process from acceptance criteria to standardizing communication designated workspace, um, expectation management, implementation, automation processes. So how should they streamline this, this more in detail? What's your experience? You're, you're deep into this. Again, that's a question we, we get asked quite a lot, especially when we're sort of starting projects. It's what do we do? You know, what do we do next? And, and how do we get this up and running? And how do we get the most value out of, out of building these kind of pipelines and streamlining our process? And Genuinely, I've seen a lot of failure and and actually I've learned from a lot of failure in my time sort of in this industry over the last 20 years. 
And what I've noticed is a, a simple trend. The reason why a lot of companies fail with these particular initiatives is because they want to do everything in one go. You know, they want all their data to look absolutely perfect from the moment you started on a particular project. And they don't realize the complexities that underpin this kind of process. So, you know, my advice and, and the advice we give to our clients, and a lot of our clients have taken this on, on board and have seen some a real success and, and, and real value uh, or return on their investment, generally tends to be work iteratively, work in an agile manner, work slowly, work on something that's valuable, but it, it, it's self-contained and you're capable of delivering it. So as an example, when a CEO or a CFO or a CDO or whatever executive is asking the question of how many customers have we got? You know, there shouldn't be 15 different answers coming from 15 different departments. It should be one same answer, maybe coming from 15 different departments, but it's the same answer. So underpinning everything, it's making sure that when we're trying to deliver that kind of outcome, which is really important to our business, especially in times like this, because, you know, one, you want to retain customers. Two, when we come out of this particular scenario, you want to grow your business so you want to add customers. So understanding things like who are your customers, what products are you selling, you know, what are you doing in your business through data to make sure that we start with MVPs working that agile methodology, are able to deliver incrementally value and not just try and do it in a big bang sort of let's just do this all in one go kind of methodology. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and from your experience, what type of tools do you normally use and what type of technologies do you use to support the data ops teams? Tools and technologies, we've seen a variation, but generally things like, you know, anything that has collaboration built into it. So, you know, in terms of communication, we've used Slack quite a lot or any IM messaging. There's a lot of video conferencing with whiteboard features built into it. Now that we can't go into a, a classroom environment to whiteboard, you know, you have to do this online. So a lot of tools with collaboration and feedback built into them. You know, technologies like Tamer help uh, because, um, you know, we have this UI that allows for end users to be able to communicate much easier with the data. So looking at tools and technology that allow you to introspect the data, that allow you to communicate collaboratively, not just individually, you know, not just opening up a console and writing loads of code and then firing that off at the end and hoping it's right. Because, and, and then the end user starts looking at the data and says, no, you're missing X, Y, and Z. And you have to go through that process again. So instead of doing it that way, which is the way that we've done it for years and years, it's looking at tools and technologies that are out there that allow that collaboration. So just to give you a very quick example, we were working on a uh, proposal for a customer recently. We used Google Docs and sort of there was a 10 of us in that Google Doc writing our own bit not having to have a meeting and keep on sending emails back and forth and losing your versions of the doc. So it's important when you're looking at technologies that they've got collaboration and feedback built into them. And especially in the data world, because everybody looks at data in a different way. So actually taking that input from them as a part of your process is extremely important. So that's my sort of recommendation. Look at tools and technologies in a data pipeline that really allow you to do collaboration. Very insightful. And if we look to the role of business leaders, so having proper communication, having an organizational structure that really promotes this data-driven culture to adapt to this change that's happening right now continuously, what's your experience and what's your view, what the role of a business leader is in guiding the data op teams through this change? Yeah, again, that's an excellent question. And it is extremely important. I think you know, over a period of time, and I know we've been taught a lot of this by consultancy firms out there, but it's absolutely true. 
a business leader is, is the person that's providing the initial guidance in terms of what they want. Without that need that they have, nothing else really takes place. You're not going to get any time. You're not going to get any budget. You're not going to get any sort of return on investment. And that's really important when we're looking at data projects. Everybody's looking for a return on that sort of data assets that, that they're trying to combine together. So I think it's essential that a business leader outlines not just their vision, but what they're expecting from a success criteria point of view. And once that vision has been sort of passed down to the people that are actually going to carry out the work, because it tends to be a team effort much lower down, it's important for the business leaders to check in regularly to ensure that people are following the right path and they're leading to answer those questions. The interesting thing that we've seen with when we're working on these projects, a lot of the business leaders that we have involved are continually involved. We'd like to have a weekly check-in to ensure that we're on target with, with, with their sort of expectations. But the interesting thing is, it's also you have to control the business leaders because as soon as you start to get insightful information coming out from your data, that original question turns into 20 new questions. And to ensure that you're answering the first question is really, really important. And then you can move on to those sort of 20 questions that, that come out of it afterwards. So I think, you know, with business leaders, it's really important to understand the guidance. All they're looking for at the moment and what they were looking for going forward is ensuring how they grow or develop or maintain their business. And that's a key thing that business leaders are involved in. That's what they need to sort of pass on to other people working in this project. Yeah, and a crucial role indeed. Uh, let's go back to the data ops team. So normally we rely on these data heroes in, in the organization, but now we're not on this physical one place anymore. So how does a remote work environment impact the organization's pipeline from the internal catalog for your data, from creating your data dictionary, for business glossaries, for metadata information, and, and all kinds of first level logical checks? What's the impact? organizations are so used to sort of data heroes um and originally that would have been because you know there isn't so much sort of data efficacy or data fluency within an organization you know you have one person who understands the data really well what's happening now especially with remote working and the advent of things like data ops and technologies that are helping sort of promote those pipelines and and, and make you know individuals aware of what's going on within that particular data pipeline. I think what you're getting is this now becoming a spread of the knowledge. There isn't so much knowledge hoarding that's happening. So that knowledge is being dispersed across organizations. And especially when we look at technologies that include things like uh, machine learning, and uh, maybe some elements of AI, what you're finding is that process is becoming more automated. And with the process becoming more automated, there tends to be less hoarding of knowledge uh, and information. So that tends to be spread out. I think the challenge that still exists, especially in this environment where we're working remotely, is to try and obtain all of that particular knowledge or to try and get more information out of uh, these data heroes. So I think it's more and more important that we, we try and do this with bite-sized pieces of work, sort of MVPs and smaller and smaller pieces to understand and break up those particular scenarios. You mentioned earlier on things like data governance. I mean, one of the key factors of data governance is not just the accessibility to the right people or not just the accessibility to the right data, but it's also the spread of the knowledge. You know, it can't just be governed by one person. It needs to be spread out to a number of people so that you're not just in this kind of uh, single point of failure mode all the time. 
Yeah, and you were talking a lot about knowledge. The other part is the data-driven culture. And I think creating a culture is really a challenge on itself already. But now we have this work remotely type of dimension as, as well. How can business still create this data-driven culture that supports this adapting to quickly to this changing environment? The sort of data-driven culture is the thing that underpins most organizations and will be the key factor that will help organizations survive longer and longer. So I think the way this works when we're trying to, in a remote area, is to continually have the kind of important projects out there that drive this particular culture. And for, you mentioned earlier on, sort of business leaders, they're, they're critical to all of this. They have to provide that backing to these particular projects to say, hey, this is really important for our organization to understand, you know, simple things like, who our customers are or how much product are we selling or what our supply chain looks like and what are the risks involved. You know, people have to feel that they're empowered by doing these projects and not just feel like, you know, these projects are small things that don't make an impact to the business. I mean, when we look at humans in general, you know, everybody wants to make an impact. So it's important that we get the business leaders driving that culture all the way through the business that whatever you're doing is extremely impactful to the organization and it's extremely important. And as we sort of drive that through the organizations, what you find is the effect that has on individuals is they put in more effort to do more work because they think it's going to be valued more. And what you find is as that culture changes and as you're sort of underpinning that by data, you'll find that people you know, are getting real answers uh, out, out of what they're doing. So I think it's important, you know, that everything that we do, everything that an organization does is underpinned by data. And it's led by the business leaders who are trying to provide the, the input to tell people uh, that this is really important for the business. And let's, let's talk about investment a little bit more. We see, let's say, change what happens now in two months, what maybe normally happens in two to four years. On the other hand, we see, I think many companies that reduce spending, it's challenging for them to invest in what they maybe see as expensive technologies, uh, whether it's, it's um, a cloud environment, uh, in data warehouses. Can you share your experience, what the view from most companies is right now? Do they start investing because they say, okay, there's so much change. Now it's the time to invest, to adapt and to make it happen. Or do companies postpone it and say, let's wait, let's first change it. And hopefully we have money in the future and then then we can maybe change yeah and, and i think uh, you know first and foremost every organization has to look at whatever situation they're in and that's important you know what we've seen over the past sort of two or three months is each vertical has its own challenges some verticals are really struggling we've seen verticals like uh, um, travel suffer uh, enormously oil and gas will suffer but then we've seen other industries sort of um really doing quite well. So if you look at the retail industry, that's doing well. You know, online retail is going to be um, doing extremely well. So I think industries are in very, very different situations. So the question of investment is different for both sides. So investment for people, for, for companies such as travel, it's going to be around efficiency. Survival is the mode that they're going into. And it's going to be difficult for them to sort of justify spending money. But even in this time, when you think about, you might be able to justify spending some money to save a lot of money. So I think that's the thing that people have to look at. You know, in, people in those industries have to look at, do I spend a little bit of money now with the technology that's out there that can help me save a lot more money sort of long term, which means I can survive as a business and I can 
flourish as a business later on? Those are the questions they're looking to answer. And the flip side to it, there are other organizations that will end up in a better situation and maybe in a, in a scenario where they're looking at doing M&A and, and, and acquisition of uh, products or whatever have you because they're in a stronger position. And for them, again, technology is extremely important because if you are doing M&A activity, if you are looking at sort of expanding, one of the things that's going to be really, really important, especially from a data perspective, is understanding what you're buying, understanding what the organization looks like, understanding, you know, when when you do buy them, how do you integrate that data to make sure you have a seamless process and you're able to sort of move forward in a much more cohesive manner rather than, you know, traditionally, as you say, things take two or three year cycles as opposed to two or three month cycles, which is where people are getting to now. And, and in order to meet those sort of two or three month cycles, I think it's important to make sure your, your technology is refreshed and is capable of scaling at, at that particular speed. Yeah, and especially in some industries, as you mentioned, it's a very difficult decision for data leaders. They know they need to change. They know they need this infrastructure to make this change happen. And on the other hand, they need to, to think about the short term. But if they don't make the change, they don't have a future for the long term or they will be acquired. I think it's a domain where we can talk for, for a couple of hours um, together, which is nice, but probably going to do it in, in some next podcast. So for now, I think we had a great conversation. Data Ops, I think, is the foundation for the future for being an AI company. Without data, there's no AI. I think there's enough reason to another conversation. Special thanks, Suki, for all your experience and, and knowledge that you have shared. I think you're a leading voice in the data ops in this industry, and it was a real pleasure to having you in our show today. Thank you very much, Ronald. It was a pleasure being here. And to the audience, stay safe, take care, and see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.